start? We all start off of either a passion, an idea, a concept, or maybe even leveraging experience from a former career, right? And so we wanna do this on our own. As we start, we are one person, but we have tons of different roles and hats proverbially that we are wearing when we get going. And that is the exact reason that business, that businesses, you know, don't, most businesses don't last past the two year mark and very few last past the five year mark. And so it's because of the weight, the overwhelm. And the fact of the matter, Christina is there, we have identified about seven different hats that we have to wear. And the reality is I can separate those hats to the front side of business and the back side of business. There's a couple in the front and a lot in the back. That is Natalie Gingrich. So Natalie is somebody that I met long ago when I was speaking at the Boss Mom Conference in San Diego and I sat beside her and I was so fascinated by what she did. And at the time, I was very overwhelmed in my business. I was like doing everything. I was the middleman between my team and my clients and I needed operations, but I didn't know I needed operations. Like it was one of those words like systems where I was like, what is a system? Like what is operations? Well, operations is what Natalie does. And actually when I left that trip, it was funny because I had a conversation with her and then I went to my mastermind in Pat Flynn's group. And then I left that trip and I hired my director of operations who is still with me today. She is like my mini me. She takes all of the stress off of me and she just keeps everything running like a well-oiled machine with me stressing less. So Natalie is going to talk about how you can implement amazing operations in your business so things are smooth and stress-free. And then she's also going to talk about how she sells people into her operations program without having sales calls. And this really impressed me because I always thought that to sell something that costs more than a thousand, a couple thousand dollars, people would want to get on the phone with you and talk to you because it is a larger investment. But she does not do that. And she is going to explain what she does during her launches and in her marketing that does not require her getting on sales calls with people. Now, before we get into this podcast interview, I also want to let you know about my new three-day bootcamp, Pitch Publicity Profit. I just launched it in August and it went so well. It was so fun. I love connecting with people that I feel like I'm going to launch it again here very soon. So if you want to Find out more about how you can join me and other entrepreneurs to learn how to pitch the media to get publicity and earn profit in a super high-touch, intimate environment, then please visit pitchpublicityprofit.com. I will link to that in the show notes for this episode so it's easy to access. But now let's get to that interview with Natalie Gingrich. Ever wonder how some people seem to get all the media coverage, but you don't? Go behind the scenes with a TV reporter, national on-air host, and news contributor who has interviewed celebrities, took you inside the Versace mansion, and even stood on a chair to interview basketball legend Alonzo Mourning. Get ready, because Become a Media Maven is the podcast where Christina Nicholson is sharing secrets from her years in front of the camera, in the editing booth, and now behind the podcast mic. Natalie, welcome to Become a Media Maven. Hello, hello, Christina. I'm so happy to be here. I can't believe this is the first time you're on my podcast. I totally agree. (laughs) This is long overdue. I met you 
when did I meet you? I spoke at the Boss Mom Conference. We sat beside each other at the Mexican restaurant that we ate at. Mm -hmm. That was like, what, 2018, 17? 17, 18, probably, yeah. Yeah, okay, and you do amazing things. Like, I always have you in the back of my mind. I just referred my director of operations into the ops authority. For people who don't know you and what you do, tell them what the ops authority is and how you have this love. I, I feel like it's organization, but this love of operations, I feel like it's like keeping your business organized, at least for me. Like that's what Robin does for me. <laughs> yeah, high level. I can totally see where that is. But um, so we have a certification, our main, our main product. And the only product that we have is a certification for directors of operations, which you just alluded to. And in there, we are teaching people like operations. If you're asking yourself, what does operations really mean? And that's one of those words that I heard. I mean, I spent 15 years in corporate and I heard operations for a long time. It wasn't until I left corporate America and actually started doing what my specialty is, which was project management. And I started to see as I was joining businesses, it was doing, I was doing much more than project management. That's when operations actually, I finally understood what that word meant. And so um, as long as you're in your business journey, I, I suspect that you will find yourself in the same place. Maybe at the beginning of business, you're thinking of like, oh, I need somebody really organized who can help me organize some projects or deploy some projects. And and then over time, that scope grows because someone who's a great project manager does have a great and a high ability to be able to transition into that next higher version, which is what we call a director of operations. And as a director of operations, we're looking at five different areas in, in your business. So strategy, operational strategy, big deal, lots of planning, lots of organization that come into play there. We are looking at project management, not only for one project, for, for the entire business. We're looking at HR, which is a huge discipline, not only managing people, leading people, setting up good milestones for your people, retention, all that good nerdy stuff, and then data and finance as the last two. So if you're looking, you know, once you get your business down the road, finance and KPIs, key performance indicators tend to like become a need, but at the, at the, at least in my own business and lots of businesses that I've supported, that was not a need at the very front of, of getting everything up and running pre-scale. So that's a little bit about what we do here. You said all of that like so quickly and fast, <laughs> but succinct. I love it. So operations, this is what falls under it. Your strategy, project management, HR, data, finance. Yep. Basically, um, all of your business, it what it's what helps your business run as a well-oiled machine. For people who are listening, let's try to help them with their operations. And then I want to get into how you sell people into the ops authority without doing sales calls. Um, because some people don't enjoy doing sales calls all the time. So we're going to talk about your sales process. But let's get back into operations really quickly. What do you see regardless of their size, what are people doing wrong? So I, I have a like a framework in my mind and I'll try to describe it here. As business owners, when we're starting, before we have even one person or anybody supporting us, we are the innovator. We, we wear so many hats and you guys know that all of your listeners, we have either you're in that pre-scale phase or your startup phase or you're a solopreneur. We've all been there. At least I, I believe that the majority of us who start small businesses and online businesses start at that phase. 
um, without investors and all of you know and all of that kind of flashy stuff that we may hear about and read about in some of your your nerdy business magazines. But for the most part, we all start off of either a passion, an idea, a concept or maybe even leveraging experience from a former career, right? And so we wanna do this on our own. As we start, we are one person, but we have tons of different roles and hats, proverbially, that we are wearing when we get going. And that is the exact reason that business that businesses, you know, don't, most businesses don't last past the two-year mark and very few last past the five-year mark. And so it's because of the weight, the overwhelm, and, the fact of the matter, Christina, is there we have identified about seven different hats that we have to wear. And the reality is I can separate those hats to the front side of business and the back side of business. There's a couple in the front and a lot in the back. The front side is what we, it, I mean, I think we could all feel comfortable calling it the most visible side. And that's your marketing side. That's what you're super gifted at, Christina. And then the back side is more of the operational. So I tend to look at all business functions and separate them. What is marketing and what is operations? And I think to your question, like, what are we doing wrong? Where are we going wrong? For me, I I struggled at a very slow growing business. I love the delivery. I love relationships. I love doing the work. I love, you know, there's, there's a, that's my passion. That's, that's where I find the greatest, you know, not only success, but fulfillment in my, in, in what I'm doing. The hard part, the gap there is that, oh, the marketing, oh, geez, like, how am I going to do this? The technical parts of marketing, the strategy of marketing, it's just not where my mind is. And so I'm a firm believer that everybody has a strong suit. It doesn't mean that just because, you know, you're not going to be a hundred percent operator and zero percent marketer. There's going to be a balance there. I mean, I, because I love you know, networking and relationships, I can be a strong marketer, but not necessarily a great digital marketer because, you know, some of the techie things and some of the strategy I'm just not aware of. So I think where we go wrong is we expect ourselves as business owners and leaders and founders to really be able to wear all seven of those hats equally. And we're just not wired that way. It's not the way it is. It, it, it truly is an unscalable concept. And so I think we are taught or we are learn we learn this along the way wherever my deficiencies are i'm going to bring in some support right or i don't have enough expertise i don't have the interest the time or i have the money to invest and so i'm going to bring somebody in to support me in those weaker areas and i i i think where we're getting it wrong is we try to do all of it way past the time but i also want to be very honest that all of us most of us have at the beginning of our careers and businesses, we have to do it all for a while. It's just managing where, when you start to grow your team, even if it's five hours a week for that first hire, that was my first hire was five hours a week, 20 hours a month. How is that person going to help me? And I didn't need help in the operational side. I needed operation, excuse me. I needed help in the marketing side. So I think people will also get that thing wrong again there where they're, you know, they tell themselves, they don't look and see where they're comp. They're just saying, oh, what is hard for me to do? Or what am I avoiding doing? And if for me, if it falls under operations, I'm like, and that you, you've got to be attentive to the gap in your business and fill the gap with labor. So that's, that, that's what I think of when I think of where, where are we going wrong as leaders of our own businesses? I love that. And people, I feel like they just do what they know and they don't take a step back and look at all facets of operation. Like you said, strategy, project management, HR, data, finance, 
I mean, especially data. I mean, I'm not a numbers person, but what kind of data should people be looking at specifically? So we start the top level is establishing key performance indicators in a business. And so the business, the type of business that you have, perhaps the industry, um, and then also the, the type of team, the structure of your business, all of that can kind of play into us into that. But every business eventually needs key performance indicators. I would say it's pie in the sky to start a business with them because you just don't know what you just don't know. And you may or may not have that competency to, to identify what, what, which KPIs you need in your business. But eventually we get to a place where we need to know is, is Natalie's business on track or is it off track? And instead of it being one of these, you know, guttural or intuitive things, it's like, let's put some numbers. We, we, I think we all can agree that we know the power of numbers, but numbers are extremely intimidating. And then we, even as operators, we get into this like perfectionistic state, which we have the tendency to do of, is this the right number? Am I computing this correctly? What is this telling us? And so, um, you know, eventually we get into the, the need of key performance indicators and we can take numbers really, really deep. And I think we're seeing an emergence of the importance of it because we're becoming more educated as, as online business owners and digital business owners into, you know, all the way down into, you know, marketing, marketing metrics and marketing, you know, the management of marketing coming back to, to numbers. And I think that's probably the second place where our, you know, this economy of, of, where we are today, just the digital economy is like, oh, we really have to measure how is our marketing doing for us to know if we should continue to spend money or if we should pull money back or, and, and then the next, the next area of data I see is really in the team management. How are we performing as a team? From there, we probably look into customer service, like, how, you know, how, what is our delivery looking like? Is are our customer students, patients, whoever you serve, are they, are they happy? Are, are we doing our job? So. And you teach women how to do this for businesses in the ops authority. Yep. So tell me a little bit more about the ops authority. And I want to get into how you sell people in because this isn't, you know, it's not a 997 course, like the media right. mentoring program. Like this is a legit program. You have a lot that goes into it and you don't get on the phone with people to chat with them before selling them, which is very rare. So first, let's hear a little mm -hmm. bit about the program so sure. people can get a perspective of the selling process when you get to that. Yeah, fantastic. So it's called the Director of Operations Certification Program. It's truly a leadership program for operators. And we have two different kind of avatars that join us. Some are already, we call them sponsored. So the employee, their employer or their, their leader will either, you know, they'll fund them to come in, whether that's a hundred percent, half, whatever, you know, that arrangement is like, but we have what we call sponsored students and we also have business builders. So service providers, much like myself, I was, you know, doing project management and I was wanting to up my game. That is the person who comes to us and says, okay, they want to get technically, they want their skills. They want, they want better foundations and it doesn't matter what your background is. We're looking for some really core competencies. It is an application process. That's going to be key to our conversation that we'll kind of navigate to, but it's an application process. The program is, is very thorough, very thought out. We already talked about the five core disciplines. There's four other support disciplines that we cover as well. 
but we are, it's, it's a, it's a leadership program. So they're already coming to us qualified. Once they get into the program, we're enhancing their knowledge and rounding some of them out. Like some people come to us with straight finance backgrounds. Some of us, some people come to us with a very general operational background. And so what we're doing before we put our stamp on them and certifying them as certified directors of operations, we want to make sure that our, like everything down to our vernacular, the expectation, the role, the scope of the role is delivered in a very similar manner. And so that's why we have a certification rather than a course. If it was self-led, that would be, you know, I wouldn't be able to quote unquote control that, that, you know, delivery on the out, even outside of the ops authority, but how the title director of operations shows up in small and online businesses would be far too out of my hands for me to feel comfortable. And so to make sure that the transformation happens during this, we have an extensive support team that helps. I mean, we've got accountability advisors. We've got lots of expert coaches for each of those disciplines that I have mentioned. We have, you know, we want all of our students to do case studies. We've got a big milestone, you know, metrics matrix, excuse me, set up that is very important to us. I mean, we really, really make sure that we support the student to go through, to learn, to make transformations throughout the program. And so we have a scorecard that you know, they are able to see, to know if they're on track, if they're falling behind. And then what is our expectation of what a student looks like at the end? And and that's another reflection that comes across on the scoreboard. Oh, excuse me, on the scorecard. You can tell I'm in football season. <laughs> <laughs> you are. That's where your little one is at football. That's mm-hmm. so funny. Um, okay, tell me, you said it starts with an application process. How do you, before I even get to the application process, how are you building your funnel or getting these people into your ecosystem to even say, hey, here is an application? Fantastic. We just looked at these numbers. So about 65% of our people come to us organically, which is uh, like just a complete blessing, to be honest. That's amazing. Um, it is. It, we're not also, we we cap each of our cohorts. So we're not looking for, you know, 100 people per cohort. We actually couldn't support that. And it's just not the type of of, of model that we have. And so we will, we will have, we will enroll anywhere from 25 to 40 people in a cohort to make sure that our coaching team can support them. So we're also not looking for, I mean, I would love leads. I'm never going to say that I don't want leads, but the, the mix that we have right now with 65% coming organically, a lot of that is referral traffic. A lot of that is an operator who knows another operator who's in a mastermind, a program has been on the team with this person. We get a lot of referral traffic. We also, I have been doing this for seven years and I have built a lot of, of, you know, strong relationships with people who are teaching service providers. And so we leverage them in our, you know, in our, as an affiliate in any of the campaigns and launches that we do. And so we get, we get a few from that. It's not our, our, our greatest driver. The podcast is by and far the best way for us to get qualified people because they hear me, they get to to get an idea of, you know, am I going to work for them? Is my teaching style, my communication style? I mean, heck, even down to the way, you know, I'm sure we've been, we've listened to podcasts where we just, the, the host is awesome. They have great content, but the way they speak is just, it just doesn't fit you. So I think that they're able to qualify themselves as far as if they like me, if they want this experience, the podcast is our top of funnel. If you want to get marketing speak, but that's, that's the number one way that people are coming to us. And then of course the relationships have helped us in the organic space. 
paid space, we haven't really, we haven't gotten great at it. We spent a lot of money, but we haven't gotten great at it. Finding my people is very challenging. So with that mix, Christina, when they come to us, they pretty much know that they want to be a director of operations. And we're pushing all of our marketing, organic or paid, pushes people to our to our free Facebook community. And so we have people who hang out and linger and and just kind of sit back and watch just like we do in, in plenty of, of Facebook groups. And when the time is right, then they will come into a launch. So we do launch five times a year. And during those times, you know, obviously it's your typical digital marketing launch. And um, we've got various types and formats that we leverage throughout the year, but we, we are doing about five a year and people will come in, but applications are always open. So even people who find us on the podcast, like we're going into a launch here shortly. And I think we have 15 or 16 people who obviously it's out of the launch, but they're still applying. So there's kind of that funnel, if you will, that is, is constantly coming in. But I think the trick for us is we're not looking to, you know, certify a thousand people in a year or anything like that. We're really looking to control to make sure that the experience is exactly what we want. And for me, it's making sure that the brand stays really, really strong. So we've got, you know, smaller cohorts coming through, which means our leads don't have to be crazy big, but we always have an opportunity on that side. So to an extent, they've already kind of checked the box of, I want to be a director of operations. I may have some questions on the technical parts of the program, or just like your question, what does, what does data mean? What does it mean to have, you know, data or metric skills as an operator? Like, what does that mean? So, you know, we go into the depths of those conversations throughout our launches. And that's, you know, I think, plus we've got so much, I mean, we've been in business for seven years, so we've got lots and lots and lots of of podcasts. We've got so many blogs. I mean, back to 2015 and 16, you know, we've got blog articles that we can send people to. And we've built that, that Rolodex to be able to answer people's questions. And our Facebook community is a really active place where people feel comfortable asking questions all the time. And then our students are the best advocates of our work. I mean, they will get on phone calls at any time. They are always in conversations with people who ask questions inside of our group. I, that's one of the most gratifying things when I see people ask questions and then our audiences, excuse me, our students are like, I want to answer. I want to answer like, <laughs> and, and they, they're very protective of the title and the brand too. I love that. Okay. So by the time people even get the application, they are very warm to you because they've heard your podcast. They're in their Facebook group. They've read your content. And I feel like what you do is very niche. Like it's very specific. Um, so people, they get it. What is on your application that makes it very, I don't know if it's um, very convincing for them, like they just want to go all in or are you looking for something specific? Like what is it about the application process that helps people convert without them getting on a sales call? Because I feel like a lot of times with these launches, a lot of people need that confidence in speaking to you. And it's a mindset thing, not necessarily what they're reading, you know, pen to paper, what they're reading online. So talk to me about what is happening actually in the application that is causing people to convert without phone calls. Yeah. 
before we get to that, that we have a lot of opportunities during our launches for Q and A and what we call a closed door session where I'm not there, but my team is there, students are there and they're answering. And we have people who, who ask questions that, that you probably don't feel comfortable asking publicly. Right. So they, it, they're, they're not recorded. They, I, I'm never there. Um, but they're asking the hard questions. And so it's not, I don't believe anyone joins us or even completes an application without questions being answered. That That's, there are so many opportunities for them to get their questions answered that that's typically not something that we have. Um, in the actual application, we are, we have criteria for three different areas for us to have a trademark. We had to do some of these um, technical things, but we also wanted to preserve the integrity of the student and the caliber of student coming through. So first thing is um, we're looking at a Colby score. This is getting a little technical, but we know that the the Colby index has a, um, a, a score that is reflective of an operator. And so we've done a lot of research to understand what that is. Here's the ticket with that. It's a pay, I can't pay for it for them to join me. I can't pay for it. So the student, the applicant, excuse me, is paying for the Colby assessment, which is a $55 investment. So you think of like marketing strategies where they're like, like take the tiny, the tiny offer thing, right? Right. You're going to spend 19 or $47 on this product. And then that's going to give you a taste and you're, I guess the market, I'm definitely not a marketer friends, but you're going to understand that that person's in or they're out. And that's certainly a gateway to the next higher level. Well, that's kind of my like tiny offer, if you will, like they're already having to invest in this before they can even get accepted or not accepted. So, so you can tell who's really interested and who's not right off the bat. We don't get an applicant. We, we never get an application for somebody who's like, nah, I'll consider it later. It's like, you're all in or you're not. And that's, that's, that is probably the greatest key. The other thing we're looking for, um, is understanding what they're like, what they're, integrator, how they integrate. And then the other is the experience. We can't have entry-level people coming into this program because we're not teaching from the bottom up. We're teaching from like, you've already got a strong foundation. Now we're taking you to kind of like your master's degree. That's, that's the way that we internally speak about this. So, um, and then we're asking, you know, their, their current comp, how they rate their current competencies in the areas that we're going to be teaching. And so, you know, if we see some real weaknesses across the board, then, you know, they, they won't be accepted. But we look at all three of those. But I think the greatest ticket that we have from making sh I mean, these people don't want to do a Colby if they haven't had their questions answered, right? So they're going to find our accountability advisors. They're going to find our concierge. They're going to reach out to support to get questions answered before they invest in a $55 test. And then their application is received. You like it. You want to accept them. Do you just say, hey, congrats, you're in. Here is a link to the checkout page. Yep. So we, it's it's partially manual and there is, there are some pieces of it that are automated, but we we actually look through every single application. We look through their resumes. We are qualifying as a team. Actually, it's not even one person, but as a team, we're qualifying if this person fits or if they're, you know, if they're too junior, if we have another path that we would suggest them for. We are we are making sure manually there's not like, you know, there's not some cool form that says with all these if then buttons, like we as human beings are looking at this saying this is right or this is not right. We have internal conversations like, hey, I have some apprehensions on this. Like, what do y'all think? So um, we once we say yes or say no, 
then we automate the process after that. And we, for us, we send them, we have a license, there's a license in our agreement. And so that changes our process a little bit. We have to have, have them be comfortable with, pardon me, we, we actually take a deposit first that is refundable if they're not, if they decline, if they don't end up coming through, that deposit will be refunded. Um, and then that's what kicks off our, our contract and then the payment. So they make a deposit, a potentially refundable deposit when they apply. After, after they're, after they are accepted, I'm not going to take their money beforehand. Oh, okay. After they're accepted. Okay. Got it. Got it. And I know that, I mean, we, I've had coaches and friends and leaders who have really been like, you can automate the whole thing. You could just do that. And there is definitely some merit to that. It's just not a process that we have done. And when you're in this point and people are like, okay, yes, I'm ready to move forward. Does anybody ask to talk to you? And if they do, how do you handle that? Yes. So we have been offering the certification since 2018. And at the beginning, as you can imagine, I knew every single person very in depth who was coming through. And so I already had personal relationships for probably the first two years. The majority of the people that came through the program either knew me personally, or we had the opportunity to get to know one another, you know, online or heck, even at that point at events, um, which were quite common before we really scaled this program. And so as, as luck would have it and, you know, time, you know, marketing has worked, the podcast has worked. So I don't get on the phone. I don't know as many people that are coming through. Um, if anyone ever asked to speak with me, it is an automatic yes. So I would never, never, ever hesitate to that, that, that's, we've actually internally looked at that, like, Hey, if they ask, should we send them to this person or to that person? It's like, heck no, if they want to speak to me, they're investing. I mean, the program is $7,500. Like I'm, I, I, if I were investing that and I wanted to speak to the leader, I would be really turned off and I would question the integrity of the program. If they were like, yeah, not Natalie, but somebody else. Sure. Like that's just not the ship that we're running here. And again, our volume isn't crazy. We probably get about probably every other cohort, we may get one or two people who want to speak with me. Okay. And I totally understand what you're saying. I agree. Like I hate personally when I am asking questions about a program or even when I join a program and the person I thought I was buying it for or from Mm -hmm. is like nowhere to be found. It's like, here's my team. And it's like, they're totally MIA. I hate that. Oh, yes. I even in my own team, like I still show up and teach for every single module. And, you know, my team being protective of me and, and you know, seeing opportunities and productivity will be like, well, we'll just, you know, we'll take this over. And why don't you, you know, why don't you back out of this lesson and this module? And it's like, you know what people want, they want the leader to be present. And I enjoy being there. It's my favorite part of the business is delivering and connecting with these people. And so, I think, you know, other people who are wired differently may, may look at that different, but I am not looking at a digital product business. That's, that's not my gift. Two final questions. One, what can people do today to make the operations in their business just a little bit better? Yeah, that's a big one, girl. You can't just throw that on me. (laughs) They have to do it today, the day they listen to this episode. Yeah. I, I think looking at processes, the number, like find the number one process in your business 
And it's probably the a process that is tied the close the closest process to your revenue. So however you your sales process is a is a great place to start. Document it, look for issues, look for gaps, look for opportunities, and make one not only so it's kind of two steps. First of all, write it down, make sure you document it, review it, and then the third thing. So I lied is three steps. Look for an opportunity and fix it. Like, what is a process improvement? People people hear the word process improvement. And they're like, oh, I'm not good at that. I can't document a process. Well, you're doing it. Just take time to either write it or even verbally or, or record your screen as you do it. And then whether it's just yourself reviewing it and auditing it, fine. But if you've got other people on the team, ask them to come in and say, hey, you know, this is how we're doing it. Do you see any opportunities for us to do it better? And implement just one thing. Every process has multiple options for enhancement and 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 increasing productivity and, and efficiencies. So that's that is one of the biggest pieces of operations and that's why we we hear people talk about oh we need an employee a handbook and we need which i do not believe that is true but we feel people excuse me we hear people who say like if i don't have this done then my business is really weak and but start with just like your basic process and it's usually the process that is the closest to your revenue Okay. I like that. People can do that today. That's a great tip. And if it's not documented, document it while you do this because you need this for your SOPs, people. Yeah. Okay. Last question. In honor of National Book Lovers Day, which is today, the day we are recording this episode, oh give us a book recommendation. Ooh, does it have to be business? No. My number one favorite book that I have read over and over is The Glass Castle. Tell me I've never read, read it by <gasps> Jeanette something. Or yes, other? yes. I haven't read it. Yes. Oh my gosh, what is wrong with me? Okay. It's I the don't number read books one. over and over again, but I guess I will because you. I'll read that one. Well, the first time, okay. the first time you read it, you're like in it. Like I couldn't put it down. It was, it's probably one of the only books I have not been able to put down. But every time I go back to the, I go, we go to the beach quite often and Every time I go to the beach, it's like, oh, I can read that in like an afternoon. Plus, I'm not like reading, reading it. I'm just kind of like, but it is read it over and over again. I know the whole thing. I know. Oh my gosh. Okay. I'll add it to my list and I'll put that in the show notes. The Glass Castle. Natalie, anything else before we say goodbye? I just thank you so much for being here. I love connecting with you and it has been way too long, friend. I know. Thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for listening. As always, check out the show notes for resources on everything that you missed if you're driving or if you're working out or if you're doing your makeup. That's when I listen to my podcasts. And let me know what else you want to hear. Hit me up on Instagram. I'm at Christina all day. And let me know what you are interested in. If you want me to interview somebody, hey, maybe you have something cool to pitch. You can come on, send me an email, but please send me a good pitch. All right. I have given you so many resources on how to pitch the media, how to pitch to be a guest on a podcast that will make the person on the receiving end say yes. If you need more help with that, then hit me up. Again, I'm at Christina all day, and I cannot wait to see you again. In just a couple of weeks, we have a great interview with my friend Azul Tarones. He's going to talk to us about how to write and publish a book in just 20 minutes a day. He's a great person. He's just a great person, period. He's been on the podcast before. If that sounds familiar, that is why. And I look forward to seeing you in just a couple of weeks. And thank you for being here today. I know you can spend your time anywhere listening to anybody on these lovely podcast apps that we have, but you're choosing to spend it with me and I appreciate it. Have a good day.